podcast for Women's Health Melbourne with Dr. Rayleigh Lewis. Welcome, Rayleigh. Hi, thank you. We're talking about um, today, does egg freezing make my eggs run out? So as an example, a good cycle of egg freezing produces 12 eggs, say, which is equivalent to 12 months of natural ovulation. So does that mean my, would that mean that my reproductive age is 12 months older than me? And does that mean that I have fewer egg store, fewer eggs in my egg stores? Because we, we've discussed before how you only have so many eggs. And what does that mean about menopause? So this is such a common question. And actually, we're talking about it today because it's a question from one of our listeners, which is fantastic. Um, and it's a question I get asked all the time. Does egg freezing make your eggs run out? Does IVF stimulation make your eggs run out faster? And the answer is actually really interesting and, the, and overall it's no, it doesn't. Um, and I'll talk to you a little bit about maybe how I talk to my patients about what we're doing with IVF stimulation. So every month, let's just go back to natural ovulation because that's where it all begins. Yep. So every month when we have a menstrual cycle and we get an egg ready to ovulate, it has a group of eggs that are kind of like, they're like applicants for the job of dominant egg. Okay. So one egg's going to win the race, but there are lots of contenders who are vying for the position. So this is almost the same as with sperm, how so much sperm can go, it comes out with each shot and the winner, the fastest gets there. Kind of, yeah. I'll talk to you again. Actually, it, that's a, it's an analogy it's very similar in that one sperm wins the race. Um, but I, we can talk about that. It, a lot of people think it's one sperm that makes the grade and it kind of, you know, there's lots of cartoons like that and there's like one winning sperm and all the others kind of yeah. behind it. Actually, it's more complicated than that. So when sperm fertilise an egg, it's, um, it's kind of like a group effort. Okay. So each sperm has a little acid package in its head called an acrosome. And it requires the release of lots and lots of these little packages to break through the outer layers of that surround the egg. So even if there's one super strong sperm, it won't make it through. Exactly. So you need a critical concentration of sperm at the egg interface for the ability to fertilise an egg. So while one will eventually be the winner, it's like it needs its friends, it needs the whole team yes. to make that possible. It's like, I guess... Exactly, to kind of to help it along. So that's why men with a very low sperm count are unlikely to help a woman get pregnant so because... It's not to do with the qual- necessarily the quality of the sperm that they have. It's more they don't have enough to break down. Yeah, often when there is a low count, there are other problems as well, like, you know, kind of a low number of normal forms or a low number of normal swimming sperm so that the absolute number that get near the egg are, you know, really kind of not able to do the job, so to speak. But even with men with a super low sperm count, you can inject a single sperm into an egg yes. and bypass that physiological bit yes. and um, it'll do the job and that's called ICSI. And through ICSI we've helped, you know, so many people with male factor infertility achieve pregnancies. Yes. Um, it's one of the really, you know, strong points of IVF that we're really able to help with male factor infertility really well. Yes. Um, but, yeah, coming back to... Sorry, I got a bit off topic there. <laughs> um, <laughs> So coming back to the egg story, so there's there's a group of eggs, so to speak, that have been getting ready to enter into competition in a menstrual cycle. 
And that group of eggs undergoes a competition within the ovary naturally so that one wins the race and the others actually bow out. And the hormonal stimuli of the menstrual cycle, the way that our hormones work with rising and falling levels, actually is part of that competition process. It, it, it helps with selection of the dominant egg and, and the development of the mature egg for ovulation to the detriment of all the contenders. So the important piece of information there is for all of those eggs that entered into that natural cycle, they've kind of purchased a one-way ticket. So they either win the race as the dominant egg or they undergo what's called atresia, which is controlled cell death. So the, the runners-up don't make it and they don't go back to the resting pool. They just, they're on a one-way journey and they either win or they don't. So even though we talk about releasing one egg every cycle every month... We use up many, yeah. Use up many every month and only one good one gets released. Only one gets to maturity to the point where it can be fertilised. And that's just because we as a species have developed to have one baby at a time most of the time. Yeah. For various reasons, you know, we have, um, if you look at evolution, you know, we have um, developed babies that are born at a relatively immature state after a long gestation. They need a lot of care. They've got big brains, yeah. um, you know, which means that our pelvis can only carry so so big a baby. And while twins do happen in nature and very occasionally triplets, um, it's a rare event. It's not a common occurrence. It's not what we're what we're designed to do. So in terms of IVF and egg freezing, what we're actually doing is rescuing the other eggs that were in the process of competition. So in fact, it's eggs that would have gone to waste do not go to waste. Exactly. So it's not like we're pulling extra eggs out of the ovary and calling them into cycle. What we're doing is we're stimulating the ovary to reach its full potential. As if we were an animal that was having a litter, for example. So basically, if you freeze eggs or you're producing eggs for, to go through IVF, you're in fact basically getting ready to breed 12 babies. Yeah, we're like the lifesavers for those eggs. Okay. And in terms of what's possible in an IVF stimulation, that also has some implications to understanding that because... We can't rescue a follicle if it's not there. A follicle is the cell structure containing the egg and the egg itself comes from the follicle. We can't rescue an egg if it's not there to be rescued. So women who have a lower egg count or a lower ovarian reserve, you can ideally use medications in a clever way and you can adapt your process and your, your treatment strategy to that individual person to get their best possible outcome. But their biology is going to be the limiting factor in, in the end if everything is done ideally. So what I mean by that is that if someone's got a very low egg count, no matter how much medication you throw at them, at the end of the day, there's only so many eggs there that can be rescued. You can rescue all the ones that are there to be rescued, but some women with a low egg count will require multiple treatments over multiple months to get the kind of numbers they might be aiming for, both in egg freezing and sometimes in IVF, that can mean that when you're trying to get pregnant, if it doesn't happen with a certain number of eggs, you start again. And Unfortunately, if you are a woman who has a lower ovarian reserve, then statistically speaking, IVF is less cost-effective per cycle and less time-efficient in terms of getting that right egg that's going to make a baby. Because we're talking about getting 12 eggs. 
but that's that's a good result for a single cycle. Some some women, many women might get three or four. Look, it depends on your ovarian reserve assessment and I tend to counsel patients very realistically and individually based on doing quite a few tests before you think about IVF and egg freezing. And in terms of ovarian reserve assessment, I find the best thing to do is to have a combination of doing an AMH test and also doing an ultrasound antral follicle count. The AMH test kind of gives me a categorical answer whether an ovarian reserve is in the category of normal, abnormally lower or abnormally high. And the antral follicle count, which is an ultrasound at the early stages of the menstrual cycle, looking at the actual number of visible follicles on the ovary, gives me quite a good idea of how many follicles I might be able to expect in an IVF cycle. Every month there is cycle-to-cycle variation, even in the same woman, of how many follicles jump on board in a particular cycle. Uh, So there's not, you know, kind of going to be exactly the same number available at each time that a woman attempts a cycle. But in general, I'm, I'm able to a priori give a lot of information about the kind of numbers that I might expect and I'll always give a range. So even though we associate one egg per month, egg collection, IVF won't affect early menopause? Absolutely not. So the factors that influence the age at which a woman goes through menopause are genetic and lifestyle related. For example... Women who smoke go through menopause a little bit earlier than women who don't smoke on average. Uh, The best personal predicting factor that I I advise my patients to think about in terms of... Yeah, it's their (laughs) mum. Well, it makes sense. It's like their their closest genetic relative who is in that age bracket. You know, so the age your mum goes through menopause is probably a relatively good indicator of when you're going to go through menopause. Now, if your mum went through an early menopause, then it is something to not panic about, but it's something to think about in terms of delaying having babies. might not be the world's best idea for a given person if they're likely to run out of eggs faster than other people. The average age of menopause in Australia is 51. But we only call menopause premature if a woman goes through it before the age of 40. So it is the kind of extreme of normal to go through menopause in your early 40s. It would still be considered within the, the, yeah, within the normal, far from the average, but within the normal. So, you know, kind of a message is that the best time to have babies is as young as it's practically possible. From a biological perspective, we're designed to have babies from our late teens and early 20s. And that is biologically speaking, although maybe not socially speaking, but biologically speaking, that's the ideal time. Thank you for clearing that up. No early in in a menopause and fertility is not affected. Yeah, absolutely. So IVF does not cause early menopause and it doesn't make your eggs run out. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. For more information about Raylia, Women's Health Melbourne and how to get pregnant, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne or you can send an email with any future episode requests to podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week.